Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, and welcome to The Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host for this week, Joshua Gray. John is uh, on vacation again, because this is how it always works out, that uh, anytime I'm here by myself, it's because John's on vacation. I've never left John to do a podcast all by himself, but yeah, that's just the way it works out on, on this show. It seems one of us is just much more committed to it than the other. Anyways, um, we've got a uh, pretty interesting show lined up for you this week. If you've been following the news, you've seen everything that's going on in, in Afghanistan, and that's uh, it's been kind of a hard thing for, for a lot of our veterans to, to see and watch, uh, especially if you're kind of a younger veteran like me that um, ha- has been been involved and been in the military during the, the times that uh, we've been involved over there in, in Southwest Asia. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that this week and uh, how that's kind of uh, impacting some of our veterans. And uh, we'll also get into a little bit about uh, some of the resources available for you f- uh, if you are having uh, a tough time with this, where, where you can go, who you can talk to. Um, and, and things like that. So you can kind of get some some help and, and kind of talk through this. So joining me this week, I have uh, Joe Lasky. He is the director of the Las Vegas Vet Center. They've been doing a lot of uh, groups and, and, and helping some recovery efforts there for some of our veterans. Uh, also, I have uh, Dr. Robert Mooring with us, and he is our uh, local recovery coordinator. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So obviously right now it's, it's, it's a really hard time for, for some of our veterans, especially those, those OIF, OEF folks. Uh, and, and while the situation is still outgoing, for, from each of your perspectives, what, what are some of the emotions and feelings you're seeing that as, as veterans see this happen in the news and they come to you and they talk to you? What are, what are some of the things that you're seeing g- going on? Uh, I'll go ahead and jump in. Uh, you know, for me, there's really no single emotion that you're seeing more than anything else. Um, and that's perfectly fine. I think everybody's running that kind of gamut of, uh, gauntlet of how they feel. Uh, honestly, the easiest way I've found to kind of relate it to is, you know, a lot of uh, veterans, a lot are going through grief. You know, we associate grief typically with death. But, you know, it's not always that. It's loss of a significant, you know, in, uh, current event like this or job or relationship and this is something that is affecting veterans in that way so if you look at the stages of grief that's kind of where we're going from you what was it all worth it for i'm angry about even being there was it a waste of time you know negotiating can i go back there and do something else um and everybody's kind of in their own place there and you know and, and that's fine that's perfectly okay i don't ever want to tell anybody how they should feel about something my concern and our concern at the vet center is how is that feeling impacting your life and if it's negatively impacting your life, how can we help you um, improve your situation and get you back on track and down the road you want to be on? I, I agree. Um, grief is definitely one of those things that we, we see with this and going through those stages. So that's, you know, a nice point out. You know, we no one's going to experience just one emotion with this the, the, you're going to most people are going to have multiple emotions or you know sometimes they might be frustrated or angry about what's going on over there um, some of them might start to feel guilt or shame uh, with it a, a lot of um, just feeling betrayed uh, even uh, from the from the government um, you know did I do what I needed to do uh, over there you know was this my fault um, 
as well. So they're going to have a lot of emotions. Uh, one thing that I've seen, I've seen a lot of uh, friends on my timeline. You know, we, I've got a bunch of people who, friends who, who have been over there, who have uh, known somebody who's been over there. A lot of friends, my, even myself personally, who have lost coworkers or whether it was past or current or anything like that. And the overarching thing that I seem to see personally for myself is that this was a waste. When you have people coming to you, talking to you, that, that this was a, a waste, uh, we don't see that necessarily with Iraq War veterans that, that I've seen, or certainly Desert Storm, or even in those those intervening years with Bosnia, places like that. Mm -hmm. You can always look and see that there was something that that kind of came of it, right? And and this is something where it's it's right back to square one, like like we were never there. So when somebody comes to you and talks to you about something like that, what do you, what do you tell them? How do you kind of help them work through that? Yeah. It, it, it is a hard thing to kind of grasp and, and hold to. Like, you know, we spent so much time over there and buddies losing their life and, you know, was it worth it? Um, and I, my response is, you know, yeah, actually it, it was worth it. Um, recently I read a letter that actually was written by the Commandant of the Marine Corps uh, and the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps that really just addressed that one fact. Um, you know, was it worth it? Uh, you know, and their point um, was, Think of the good that we did, you know. Think of the 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 men, the women, the children that were over there in that country, that got a taste of what it was like to live with some freedoms. Um, we know that uh, historically, women in Afghanistan, especially under the Taliban rule, were not treated very well. You know, not allowed to go to school. You know, wearing you know certain you know, headdress and and all these things, and we gave them freedoms that they might not ever otherwise have experienced uh, ask yourself was it worth it to, to help and give some people a taste of what we are able to enjoy every day um, over here um, and I, I think the the answer comes down to yes you know it, it was worth it absolutely and more of a you know micro level and when regards to you know service members who've deployed you know I always try to focus back on well, what, what was your job over there what mm -hmm. what did you do and what are you personally proud of from your deployment? And what you find out a lot of times, it's not necessarily mission-dependent things. You know, I, I don't know too many people, you know, who wore enough stars to direct policy, and I don't know anyone who served on that one mission that was going to define the success of the war. But I know just about anybody had a positive is impact on either one of their soldiers' lives or an Afghan's life while they're there, and that's something they can hold on to, and something they know that they did while they're there, and that's never going to be taken from them, no matter who's in charge of that country. Uh, uh, it's absolutely right. And so, and Joey, what you're saying is. You know that we had an impact um, on the lives of those men and women around us. You know, we had an impact on that person. We, you know, we we saved a life. Um, you know, and and somebody probably saved our life uh, over there. We had the opportunity to interact with the Afghani people, um, and and have an exchange that says, "Hey, you know, you actually are worth. You know, you you have value." You know, we we love you. We, you know, it's so it's not just from that bigger picture, but definitely going right down to the individual level and looking to the person on your right and your left and, and knowing, you know what, I, I made a difference in in his life or her life. 
Have you seen a, a difference, you know, speaking of the people that you interacted with and, and the lives that you, you impacted over, over in Afghanistan, uh, do you see a difference between maybe the people who are maybe junior enlisted, did a lot more tactical working out in the communities, whether it was uh, provincial reconstruction teams or anything like that, um, and, and kind of the higher up you go, the more strategic focus you get and the more you're in, inside, you know, fobs and, and things like that directing, do you see a difference between the people who are maybe out more in those communities versus somebody who is there and doing you know day-to-day -day staff work or something like that um yes and no but either way it's six months to 18 months of someone's life that they gave in a third world country supporting a mission and in a dangerous situation um, that you know they have to kind of come to terms with and rectify and you know make sense of in their life so i mean you know i, I don't like trying to you know veterans are a small enough population i don't think we need to divide them even more between people who are on the fob and people on the wire and then we go into combat non-combat or oif and oef or this and that you know that we can all support each other we can all be there for each other we can all find value in what we didn't accomplish and yeah i, I understand that the person who was out there on the front lines you know doing that is going to have different experiences than that person who was in the fob but we were all there for the same mission and every person part of that mission was just as valuable as the next person because you know, I spent all of my time outside the line. I spent my time doing raids, completing missions, all that good stuff. But the reality of the situation is I couldn't do that if it wasn't for the person back in the fob. Um, and, you know, one of the things we try to do, especially with our groups, is, you know, I, I can't sit there and say, okay, only OIF, you know, or OEF groups who are in Kandahar outside of this and that. Like, you know, there's just not enough of those veterans. But I can get a group of OEF veterans together, and I can get them to talk about their stuff, and I can get them to relate to each other and understand what they did mattered. Um, and how the, and it give them also that view of how they supported each other and what those individual roles were. Because we always, you know, you know how the military is. We all make fun of everybody, every branch, every different MOS. Sure, sure. You know, but at the end of the day, when you can actually get those different groups in a room and have them talk in discussion, you know, that's when they actually really see the value of what everybody does. And I think that can help a lot with putting this issue to rest for a lot of people and helping move forward with their life. I guess the question I was trying to, and I guess I maybe stated it a little, little uh, inarticulately there, but... Um, you know, because like Iraq was my war. I, n I never went to Afghanistan. So the, my, my experiences were different than somebody else's experience. What I was more trying to ask was um, if somebody who is out there, like how does it impact somebody who's out there day to day? talking to somebody, right? You, you're working right next to, you know, if you're out on a, on a, on a patrol, you've probably got an Afghan with you as a, as a translator or something like that. Um, just is, was there, is there a difference when people come to you and share their experiences? Does it seem to hit a different group harder than some other groups? You, you know, it, interesting you bring up interpreters. Um, because we're, we're seeing a lot of information in the news and the media, like, you know, let's get our interpreters out, right? Uh, because the interpreters, I mean, it's not like, you know, they went around in, in war and carried a sign that says, I'm just an interpreter, don't shoot me, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Um, you know, these are, these are people that are embedded with our units outside the wire who are engaged in the, some of the same dangerous uh, missions and when you're when you're in that situation um, it doesn't matter that that person is an Afghan a national who's there to interpret for you um, that person becomes your brother um, they become family uh, with it and so you do create this special bond um, with that person and you know in the military we you know, have this strong belief that you know you don't leave anybody behind 
Um, and so we, I do see this in, incredible frustration and anger with why are we not doing enough for these interpreters? All right, these are our brothers um, out there, or in some cases, sisters um, that are out there, um, and they have put their life on the line for us for the last 20 years. Should we not be reciprocating and saving their life as well? And that's a very good point Dr. Maureen makes, and it kind of goes along that lines of, and also answering what you're talking about more is, I guess when you're out in the field more, what I've probably seen more is a lot more moral injury um, coupled compared to more PTSD from being on a FOB. Um, just because when you are out in the field, you know, that is where your values, morals, and beliefs get tested. Um, you know, like I said, we don't leave anybody behind. And now here we are in a situation where we're leaving people behind. So now that person who served six months with that interpreter or got to know that village elder who they knew was passionate about protecting their area, where are they now? What could I have done? What can I do? And how does this? And that's a real relationship they had with that person. That's a, that's a experience that you know they're trying to process in real time right now, um, and also being you know thousands of miles away with no way of trying to impact that um, compared to your person who may not have as much interactions with the locals. Um, you know they're probably going to you know or could be dealing with more PTSD just from dealing with attacks from you know dealing with you know interactions in that sense just because they're on the base and the only interaction they had was probably indirect fire um, and things like that or maybe they're traveling from convoy to convoy and you know around the city and they got hit. Um, so I guess the biggest difference I would probably say on those lines and especially going back to that turp situation is you know what we're looking at there is that moral injury is you know am I living up to my values and how have I um, costed myself that along the way and what can I do now to get myself back on path. And you know Dr. Morgan you just mentioned you know, people watching this on television. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that the, kind of the speed that this is happening with over there ha has impacted how it hits people back home? Um, if it was one of those things that it's uh, over four or five years and it's the slow erosion and then you know the, the Taliban comes back in you can at least look at the situation and say well they fought hard you know, they just they just weren't able to do it, right? You know, we, we did our part, you know, they put up the good fight and it just didn't work out. But when when veterans kind of look at it and see that some of the reports that we see of, you know, units wholesale just running away and things like that, and, and they go, well, that wasn't what we taught them. That wasn't in the <laughs> manual, right? Um, do you think the speed at which all of this has happened where the Taliban is surrounding the airport as we're still trying to get people right. out. You know, does that does that hit people harder? What, yeah, I mean, there's no time to, to process it, right? You know, so when you see something that kind of evolves over months or years, um, you can process it as it goes along and you can pay attention and analyze and, and try to make sense of it over an extended period. But this is something that has evolved so rapidly I mean weeks we go back even two or three weeks ago and you know the press conferences are talking about you know we're thinking about you know six months from now eight months from now that you know Kabul might might fall um, not six days from now right um, and so because that happened so fast that there's just not that ability to really process it and so then the emotions just kind of really collide with each other. Um, and uh, and when you've got this collision of, of emotions, um, it's very easy to get turned around uh, in trying to, and get lost in those emotions. Well, it's a very difficult thing to deal with, 
it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for a lot of people. So I can certainly understand why there's so many people that are, that are kind of upset about this and why it's, it's one of those things that's, that's really difficult for people. It, so it is. And probably not, it's probably half a thought here. We'll see if I can get it out all the way. Hey, we're, um, we, if you've ever you listened know, to this podcast yeah. before, we do have thoughts <laughs> but, all the time. But, that's our specialty. You know, and, and I don't want to go down a big media, social media rabbit hole here, you know, put them on trial but the fact of the matter is like we know what's happening over there if what you're seeing as a veteran or as you know as anybody is upsetting to you and bothering you the solution to that isn't watching more of it um those news organizations social media isn't designed to do that they're inside they're designed to invoke that initial feeling because that's the feeling that keeps you engaged in watching if they resolved it and you felt okay afterwards well then you wouldn't watch it and that's bad for business so I'm not saying turn necessarily turn everything off, but we know what's happening now. You're up to date on it. If it's negatively impacting your life, then yeah, you need to turn it off. And you need to come into a vet center. You need to come into a VA medical center and talk about it with us and process it and help moving the ball forward because that's the next step in it. I'm not saying, you know, you got to go total media dark out or shut off your Facebook or anything like that. But, you know, hopefully you know yourself enough that you go, you know what? I get it. I understand what's going on today. I don't need to see anymore. I don't need to sit here and watch this because it's just bothering me. The answers you're going to find are out in the real world. They're amongst your social support network. They're in your friends and family. They're at, you know, the local VA medical centers and vet centers where you can actually talk about these things and process it and get out of that loop of just seeing the same images over and over and over again while somebody talks about how terrible it is. As, as somebody who's a habitual Twitter doom scroller, I'm very familiar with <laughs> with that concept of needing to get away because I don't I don't do a good job of that myself, right? I, I will sit there and just go and go and go and more and more and more. So it's probably not a very helpful uh, habit for me to have. It's almost akin to like you know you're waiting you're scrolling you're waiting for that one piece of good news. It's kind of like pulling the arm on a you know uh, in a casino you know, on a slot machine, maybe the next one, maybe the next one, maybe the next one, um, you're going to lose um, if you keep playing that. So uh, you mentioned uh, talking about the press conferences and, you know, we were kind of told that wasn't one of the things that we were told was you're not going to see helicopters on the embassy like in Saigon. And we kind of did end up seeing that. Right. So uh, in, in that kind of that same vein, you know, everything is kind of uh, gone very similar to the way the, the kind of the end of the Vietnam War did as well. Um, do you do either of you see the potential here for this? You know, we've talked a lot about OEF, OIF veterans. Do you see the potential for this to maybe bring back some some feelings and some emotions for for more Vietnam era Vietnam War era veterans um, to to see that and go, oh no, it's happening again. So I, I actually um, have the pleasure of working with a large group of Vietnam veterans, um, and in a, a group that we had earlier this week, we brought up Afghanistan, what's going on, uh, and every one of them said, you know, agrees, like, that there are a lot of parallels, right? Obviously, they're very different wars, um, but the parallels are there, and so it was very much bringing up the same emotions that they were feeling in 1975, um, just coming right back um, with them, uh, you know, and so my my role in terms of working with them was to say, hey, you know, you've lived this already, right? You have uh, had this experience of 
going through and seeing this happen in Saigon and having these thoughts of, you know, was it worth it? Um, and you now have the ability to make a positive impact on our OEF veterans, right? Um, you know, and or OIF veterans as well, because a lot of our OIF Iraqi guys, they knew people that were in Afghanistan um, as well. And so it impacted, it impacts them as well. And so saying, take those experience, um, as bad as that was, and use it for good today, right? And sit and talk with your fellow veterans um, who are going through this um, and tell them some of the things that worked for you. What were some of the things that did not work for you, right? So that those, you know, young men and women today are able to to come out and take that information and hopefully process this and and cope with the current stuff going in Afghanistan um, in a healthier way. Well, it's go ahead. Uh, uh, absolutely, I couldn't agree more with Dr. Morin. Um, everything you said is spot on in that, um, and we have a significant Vietnam population at our vet center and you know one of the things we've tried in the last years and i hit it i hinted at it earlier is you know moving away from air specific groups you know let's just get veterans together talking and leaning on each other because yeah there is wonderful value in that person who's 40 years down the road compared to that veteran who's you know just now starting their transition out of the military um and you can and if you can get them talking if you can get them bonding over those commonalities in their uh service you know you're building those strong uh or you're, say you're strengthening their social support network and allowing them, you know, more now resources in the community for help, more people to talk to, more people for them to process things for, rather than just sitting in their own headspace. You, you know, if if I, um, the the one of the things that we see with the Vietnam vet population as well, um, and this is kind of where now it's the younger generations kind of get a step in um, and do their part for that generation. All of this is bringing up not just the fall of Saigon for them, right, but also the kind of the way that Vietnam veterans were treated, um, you know, throughout that entire war um, by a large segment of society. Um, And so now for, you know, the younger veteran population to be able to go back to that Vietnam generation and ask, how did you deal with those thoughts and those emotions of the fall of Saigon and was it all worth it? Um, but then also to kind of to pay it back, right? Um, because I know, you know, as a Marine, right, I, I learned how to be a Marine from that generation, right? Soldiers learned how to be soldiers today on that generation. Um, so we owe a huge debt of gratitude to them, right? So we can start to mend that bridge back. And it's, it is exactly what Joe's saying, right? Let's get away from the era specific, bring vets together to talk about these things and to support one another. And building off what Dr. Morton said there about experiences from Vietnam to now, you know, one of the things I've been talking a lot with veterans about is the is the fact that, you know, the GWAT generation, you know, we are have actually been given the chance to define what these, uh, you know, wars mean. Vietnam veterans came home and were told, you know, they were, it was already decided by the public who they were, what they did, what the war stand for, and a lot of it was very, very negative. Whereas, you know, the generation now, because of the way they were treated, we have some of the best benefits out there from federal government, state government, county, city, whatever. We have more non-for-profits um, and, you know, 
other age organizations trying to help us and all that and to do anything we want as veterans to help us be successful in life and personally you know one of the things i try to talk to a lot of my veterans about is that idea of like you know this now you know what's happening in afghanistan people are going to turn to us because they want to know what this means and we actually have an opportunity as veterans to make that narrative, to create it and put that information out there for veterans to, under, to for civilians to understand. You know, we talk a lot about the gap between civilians and veterans and, you know, the divide and, you know, how they don't understand us. And it's like, you know, what? yeah, they shouldn't understand us. They haven't been able to talk to us since I, I honestly don't know when because it goes back, you know, even past the Vietnam. Yeah. yeah, you know, but we have an opportunity now where we have these benefits, we have these things. And rather than have a Saigon happen, and just come home and be told exactly what it was and what you did and how you were wrong with this. We have that opportunity as veterans to come forward and say, you know what, here's what this meant to me. Here's what I thought we were doing over there. Here's what I did over there. And now you're allowing those civilians you've never served to actually understand what the impact of war has on our service men and women. And that is incredibly valuable. And that's something I think we should all take advantage of. And to go back again, if you don't know how to start that conversation, if you're looking for the ability to find those words, Vet centers and VA mental health and groups are a great place to start. Start amongst your peers. Start in a room full of people who've been there and done that. Find the ways to talk about it so that when you go home and you're, you're now unofficially, fair as unfair it is, you are now the subject matter expert on Afghanistan, um, whether you serve there or not if you're a veteran. Um, everybody's going to ask you this. And what you say is going to get repeated. They're going to say, well, you know, I didn't go, but my cousin who works here, I talked to him about it, and here's what he said. And now that's the voice of the veteran for that community. And it's a heavy burden, and no one's asking you to carry it alone. If you're having trouble, if you want to find out how this, we are a great place to start. You know, because we're here, we're with your peers, and we want to help have those difficult conversations too. Because I'll be perfectly honest with you, I still haven't figured out how I feel about it. But every time we have these groups, every time I, talk, I learn a different perspective and I gain a little more knowledge about it and it helps me understand. Well, those, those groups and those resources are something that, that we really want to talk about here on the, on the show here today. But what we're going to do, we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to, uh, and, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about some of this very specific programs that each of you are, are running for, for some of these uh, Afghanistan veterans that, that have questions and, and need some places to talk. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines and they are the very first step that let us get back to what we miss most. It's okay to have questions. Is it safe? Should I wait? Now, get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. 
Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome back to The Nine Line. Joshua Gray with you here on this edition, and we are speaking with Dr. Robert Mooring, our local recovery coordinator, and also uh, Joe Lasky, who is the director of the Las Vegas Vet Center. And we're, we're talking about some of the issues surrounding uh, how uh, current events in Afghanistan are, are impacting veterans. And you know, in the last segment, we kind of talked on, on the, the mental impact that this, this, is, that this has on, on people's mental health, on their well-being, their emotions. Um, this this segment I want to I want to focus a little bit more on where folks can go to get help. Um, obviously, listening to this podcast, you're not going to be able to to work through all of your issues in the 25 minutes previously that we spent talking about this. So, if if I'm an Afghanistan veteran or or any veteran that is watching this and seeing how you know just this having these feelings of of, of loss or that th- this was a waste for each of your 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 centers here in your you're kind of competing a little bit right that's why we've got the table in between the two of you um where can they go if i i'm, I'm going to actually put a plug in for for joe um the vet centers um so we have two vet centers here uh in the valley we have las vegas and we have one in henderson um, as well. Any veteran who wants to drive way up to Reno, there's one up there too. Um, have fun with that drive uh, with it. So, you know, that is a, it's a, it's a, historically the vet centers have been a really good place for veterans to go and to talk about things. Um, combat veterans, um, you know, started, you know, at the end of Vietnam War. Um, and they often, very often, the vet centers are the, the first line of, um, you know, treatment uh, for a lot of our veterans. So I'll, I'll actually plug the vet centers for you, Joe. <laughs> I'll um, take that. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, and kind of go on the same lines of, you know, support each other's programs. You know, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for our relationship with the VA hospital. Um, you know, the mental health, the Dr. Manning and Georgina Ray are the ones who brought me in to actually say, hey, what can we do as a, you know, as a community of providers, what can we do to help the veterans? Um, and that's something that I think is very, very beneficial for veterans here in the Las Vegas Valley and all of Southern Nevada, because you, you know, if you come to one, you don't, it's not, it's not, you can come to one or the other. If you come to one and the better fit for you is to go to the hospital, then we're going to do everything we can to get you in the hospital. And if you go to the hospital and the better fit, the better fit for you is the vet center, then they're going to do everything to get you over to a vet center. We just want you to get the help you need to resolve the issues in your life and whatever's coming up at this point. But going back to kind of what you talked about earlier about who's, where can they go in the community? Personally, and I'll see they have those options right in their own house. They have friends and family that they can talk to. Um, and they may not feel like it and they may not understand it, but honestly, that's probably some of the best people to have those discussions with. Um, I, I have a friend who's an old Vietnam veteran, and you know, one of my favorite conversations with him that I still, you know, obviously I'm still using to this day, is you know, he was talking about this and he was sitting at a bar one time talking to his buddy about issues and you know, stuff in Vietnam, because they had both been there. And his buddy asked him, he goes, you know, well, do you ever talk to your wife about this? And he's like, no, I can't talk to her about it. She doesn't understand it. And his buddy just fires back. He goes, well, how much of it do you understand? And he goes, well, not much. And he's like, great. But you know what? She cares about you. She loves you. She wants to support you. You can both not understand together. You know, and you can talk to the people in your life. And 
But if you're uncomfortable talking to that person, if you're not ready to have that discussion, if it does feel like too much for you, then yeah, come into a vet center, come into your local VA hospital um, and, you know, start that conversation with learn to find those words so that you can have that person in your life because that's the person who's going to be there for you at two in the morning. That's the person that's going to be there for you on a Saturday afternoon or in the middle of your work day or anything else. You know, we all try to, you know, make availability a priority for us, but at the same time, we're not 24-7 services. You know, there is a crisis line, there is the vet center call center, and these are all great resources, but the most important one and the one I want to see out of everybody who comes to see us is having that person in their life who's not a professional therapist be part of their support system. Um, so, you know, if you can, talk to that person. And if you're not ready to have that discussion, please come talk to us. And I'll tell you right now, one of our goals for you is going to be to have that person become that resource for you. So and you're, you're absolutely right. You know, having people around us, right, whether they're family or good friends or fellow veterans, whatever, right, having that really good support system. We also are very fortunate to live in a technological age. Um, there are, the VA has put out, I don't know, we're up to 20-something apps right now. Um, and so, I mean, you can just go and Google VA apps for mental health, um, and you'll you'll get a whole bunch of, of different apps. And go into those. You know, there's, each of those apps have some great things that you can do. Um, everything from, you know, learning how to breathe, to relax, uh, meditations, um, keeping a journal, um, helping you with sleep issues, right? So if you're not ready to talk to somebody, um, but you want to have a little bit of help, go on and do that um, with it. So, or going on to make the connection, um, uh, that's also a great resource with it. Here at the VA, um, you know, what we recognized was there's going to be this need for our Afghan vets um, or vets in general to talk about this and what's going on. We actually uh, decided to create two um, groups. Um, so it's the same group, just two different dates and times for it. Um, the We do one on, on Mondays. Uh, the one on Mondays is a face-to-face -face and virtual um, group. So you can come into the to the VA uh, and walk into that group. You don't need an appointment for it. Just come on in, um, and and we'll we'll meet you and talk with um, other vets uh, in, that are in your situation, uh, or do it virtually. And then the one we also do it on Thursday, uh, Thursday at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, and that one is um, right now completely virtual um, as well. I don't know through the podcast if we have a way of getting the links to those. Oh, we can put the links in the show notes. We can Absolutely. put the yep. we'll we'll get the links to you, um, so you can join to those um, and the the password as well um, with it, so you're able to kind of just jump into those. Again, just come and join us um, and have these conversations with some fellow veterans. Um, and both of those uh, groups have um, a licensed provider, so I do one. Uh, of them and then we have uh, James Taylor who is one of our awesome social workers uh, he does the other and we have a peer specialist that is with each of us um, as well and it doesn't sound like either of those are, are something that you need a referral from your doc or anything like that too nope. they can just 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 come just, join just come in. in you can join virtually just come into the to the meeting you can at the time of the appointment just walk in uh, for the face-to-face -face one um if you want to come face to face uh just walk into the building the mental health building and we'll come and get you and, and bring you back to the room 
And does the vet center, are, are you running uh, groups for a, Afghanistan a, vets? Absolutely. So we, we have our normal, you know, individual couples counseling and group services. But one of the things um, we've started both at Henderson and at Las Vegas is just an open group, exactly like what the VA uh, medical center is doing here. For Henderson, it's on Mondays at 10 to 1130. Um, James Powers is the social worker running it. Um, you can just show on up and walk on in. They'll, they'll let you in. Uh, ours is Friday afternoons from 2 to 430. Um, and it's the same thing. It, it's that idea of, you know, we, and we don't even call it a group, we just call it a discussion. It's an OEF remembrance and processing discussion. And, you know, there's no set agenda. There's no, hey, we got to do this. You don't have to talk. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just comes, it pays just to come in and listen. A lot of times just sitting around there and listening to people, you find that, you know what, I'm not the only one who feels this way. And now I know I'm not abnormal in, in how I'm processing this. Or you go, oh, wow, they said that exactly how I've been trying to figure out the words for this. This is great. Um, so, you know, we're not going to make you stand up and introduce yourself. We're not going to make you do any paperwork. You don't have to process this. You don't have to show proof of veterans. We'll take you at your word. You know, I always tell people, like, people lie about being a veteran to get a free cheeseburger. They don't lie to come to talk to me. Um, <laughs> I'm not that fun, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it, so, you know, come on in. If, if this is, a, you know, impacting you. And, and the thing is, is, and, you know, the other thing is, is, like, as you mentioned earlier about the Vietnam veterans, you know, this, well, I'm not trying to make this just for OEF veterans. Because there are o, you know, OIF, if we all, you know, let's not forget, we lost OIF soon after. Um, and, you know, we had to regain it. You know, Vietnam veterans. So, you know, a lot of veterans, you know, anybody who's maybe negatively impacted by this and wants to come in and talk is more than welcome. So if you say, like, you know, well, I'm not feeling well and I don't feel good about this, but I never went to, you know, Afghanistan proper, I don't care. Come on in. If it's going to help you to come in and have a discussion or just be a part of a discussion or sit in a room, then come on in and we'll figure it out from there and we'll, we'll, we'll plan that next step. So, you know, it, you, um, you know, any veteran, if you are engaged with mental health treatment here um, at the VA, um, you know, feel free, you know, if you need to get in touch with your provider and, and, and have that discussion, please do that. Uh, if you don't, are not engaged with mental health treatment, but you want to talk to somebody, you want to sit down with a provider and have that discussion, walk in. Um, Just come in. You don't need an appointment. Just walk into any one of our clinics, come into the main hospital, to the mental health clinic, and say, hi, I'd like to talk to somebody from mental health. We will see you. We have open access throughout the day um, for it. So just come in. And, and I think building off is also, and I'm assuming this is the same thing with, you know, the groups going on at the medical centers, you know, there's no diagnosing involved in these groups. We're not trying to put a label on anybody. We're not trying to say this. We're not trying to even enroll you in our specific programs. We're just trying to help you start this conversation so that you can continue it in a safe way in your life and help resolve any issues that may be coming up. Like, And that's really what we want to stress here is like, you know, this isn't a recruitment trick. This isn't a, hey, we want to put labels on people. You know, if we got to jump through these hoops, this is walking in, sitting with a group of people who have served along just like you and being able to process your thoughts and feelings in a safe environment. You mentioned the kind of the environment that a lot of Vietnam veterans came back to where the nation just basically looked at them and shrugged their shoulders and said, deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, After all of this happened in in Kabul and Afghanistan, within days, there were support groups, 
we're having this discussion. What does it say to, to each of you that that's kind of how far we've come with, with, with mental health and, and how important it's been to, to realize that people coming back need, need somebody to, even if it's just somebody to talk to. Like, what does it, what does it say to you that, that we've come that far from just deal with it to here's all these resources? Well, it's, it's kind of a two-pronged attack. You know, at the vet center level, you know, our entire start was the Vietnam veterans. We were Vietnam Veterans Readjustment Counseling Centers when we started in 1979. And there was a five-year window for our program. They said, hey, this is going to be a program. It's going to be for five years. By that time, eh, all the issues will be resolved. They should be good to go. We're still in operation not because of our failures, but because of our successes. And our eligibility, which was once strictly Vietnam veterans, has continued to grow and expand because everyone now recognizes the need um, for mental health counseling and treatment and to have that peer-to-peer support and to have, be able to have those conversations in a safe environment um, with their peers and with you know people um, other than themselves to resolve these sort of issues. Um, and that, you know, that's really where we're going. As for like, you know, the mental health uh, issue in general, like, I mean, this is just what you're seeing. Like, you know, I have a friend who, you know, jokingly said like, I long for the day where people post about their therapy sessions on Facebook, like they do a good gym workout. Um, you know, and like sure. probably 20 years away from that happening. However, you know, it is one of those things that's becoming more and more relevant. And going back to that, I always run a lot of parallels between physical health and mental health. If I tell somebody I signed up for CrossFit, they go, good job, great, good for you. If I tell somebody I signed up for therapy, they go, what's wrong? Sure. Yeah. You know, and I go, but it doesn't have to be that. And I think that's where we're starting to turn as a society is people are starting to recognize like going to therapy and seeking mental health isn't admitting you're broken. Right. It's admitting you want to be better than where you cur- better off than where you currently are right now. It's I want to improve who I am. I don't have to be broke to go to a gym. And with with going to the gym, you know, I can take a picture two weeks ago and take a picture today, and I can show you mm-hmm. the physical process, right? I, with with getting help with mental health, something like that, I can take a picture two weeks ago and I'm smiling, and I can take a picture now that I've been talking about it, and even though I may be in a better place, I'm not as happy, right? It's really hard to outwardly show that that kind of improvement too. So, you know, kind of going back, it, I, I love the fact how we have grown as a society in terms of starting to bring more awareness into mental health. I mean, we have an entire month for mental health awareness, right? Um, you know, think about, you know, my generation and generations before me um, in, in the military, right? You don't go to mental health. Um, that was, you know, one of those taboo things. Like, it just, you just never said, you never admitted to anything like that. Um, that was that stigma. Even even for in my generation, if you went to mental health, it meant something was wrong with you, right? Yeah. Right. Um, versus what Joe is, is saying is, you know, hey, it's how about I'm going because I want to be better, right? Because that's what treatment really is, is how do I make my life a little bit better, right? Not that necessarily I'm going to make all the demons go away, right? I'm not going to make those memories all of a sudden poof disappear, but how can I still have a good quality of life in spite of those things, right? What are some things that, right, you can't, I can take a picture of my face, you can't see the thoughts that are going in my in my head with it, um, but what can you see, right? What can I see? Uh, I can see people engaging with family more, right? Having those difficult conversations that Joe's talking about, you know, with a loved one, um, whether it's at, at home or whether it's sitting at a bar um, with, with a friend. Um, whether it's out on the golf course, right? It doesn't matter. Um, being able to have those conversations, being engaged with people around us, right? That we can see. And that's kind of this incredible growth that we are 
we we dream for. Absolutely. Yeah, like I said, I, I always tell people, you know, there's no time limit for services at a vet center. We're not going to say you get 12, 12 sessions or six months. However, I'm here to work myself out of a job. There's a better place to be than an hour a week in my office. I'm not that fun to talk to. All right. Um, so let's figure out what that is and let's get you out there. And if your life changes six months to six years down the road, you need to come back and refit with some new tools and coping mechanisms. Great. Come on back. Let's figure it out. You know, I, I see a lot of people who like they deploy in their 20s and everything's fine. And then they deploy in their 30s and they're like, well, I don't know, I can't handle it this time. And it's like, well, you were 20, you were single. You, mm-hmm. you know, you came back and basically just had to find the nearest bar and go from there. Whereas in your 30s, you came back and your wife and kids were sitting there waiting for you, your husband and kids. And now you had responsibilities other than to yourself to deal with. So, yes, that's going to be a completely different bag of tools of coping skills and mechanisms that you have to handle that stress and anxiety. Um, so, you know, the idea that, you know, oh, I was able to handle this six months ago or I was handled this year. Why is it different now? Like, it's fine life changes and we have to evolve our skills with it and that's where places like VA mental health and the vet center come in handy and you know I can't stress enough this you know and like I said this goes back to kind of like physical health and mental health parallels it's so much easier to make that goal in the gym when you realize you're five pounds overweight than 50 pounds overweight this is now fresh for all of us right now we're less than a week into everything that's happened in Afghanistan if you're finding yourself being a little more irritable, if you're finding yourself having trouble sleeping, if you just, you know, not being able to find the words, now is the time to come on and talk to us. Now is the time to come in and start that conversation rather than six months down the road when it may have actually costed you something significant in your life. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely everybody should get help as, as soon as they can. Uh, unfortunately, that's really all the time we've got. There, there's so much more that we could, I mean, we could probably talk about this for, for two or three hours. But uh, unfortunately, this is all the time we have to, to kind of run for, for this podcast. Um, thank you very much. It is a very impactful conversation, I feel, very necessary conversation. And hopefully uh, the folks out there listening to it were able to, you know, get some, even if they just needed a little coping tool, you know, hearing hearing us talk about it, uh, help them out. And if not, you know, there are resources out there that, that each of you offer that folks can go to and, and folks can go and, and get some help if they need it. So thank you, gentlemen, very much for joining us this week. Appreciate thank it. you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Especially for you tackling this important topic. Well, it's uh, it, it's honestly, it's it's something, you know, I think we're all veterans. Uh, the three of us here on the table, um, we all we all kind of realize how, how important it is to be able to talk to people and, and get them to a place where they feel comfortable with uh, everything that's gone on and everything that's going on, you know. And, and honestly, we're trying to be as proactive as we can. So it's not six months down the road when somebody realizes that, that they need some help. So, so again, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. And uh, thank you, everybody out there listening. Uh, if if uh, if you do need some some help, someone to talk to, we'll be posting up the uh, the information for both of the resources uh, from the vet center and both. Uh, well, at the vet center and with the the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System, and either avenue, whichever one you choose. We just we just hope if you need somebody to talk to, you, you come and talk to somebody. So, thanks a lot for joining us, and we'll see you in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Las Vegas VA. Thanks for listening. <laughs>